Hello, welcome to Legally Different, your hub for soul-fueled success. In this conversation, I'm joined by Vanessa Chalice, the founder, principal and force behind Tiger Law and its sister businesses, Tiger Bites and Tiger HR. Force is the operative word here, and I've been looking forward to having Vanessa's passionate energy on the podcast for so long. We dive into a number of different topics, including Vanessa's path into law, which after quitting school at 15 wasn't the conventional path, her experiences in private practice, which very much fueled her desire to create her own business and do law differently. As you will hear, Vanessa is not afraid to speak what's on her heart and mind, and that's something which I truly admire about her. So we dive into a number of topics that she's truly passionate about and wants to put the spotlight on, including inequality in law. I'll leave it there and not overshare too much, and I'll let you dive in and be inspired. Hello, welcome, Vanessa. Hello, thanks for having me. Amazing to have you on. I've been looking forward to having your fiery, passionate tiger energy on here for a while. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation, especially around like tiger law, how you're doing things differently. Um, But I'd love to start back at the beginning and find out a bit more about your background and your drivers for becoming a lawyer. So yeah, I'd love to know what really inspired you to become a lawyer initially and what did your path look like? (laughs) <laughs> quite different to most paths I would have thought so I was a feisty precocious child I had spoken about becoming a barrister from very early I then developed some kind of allergy to authority as a teenager I was invited to leave four schools I left school at 15 with nothing I spent a year or two realizing what life would be like entirely outside of normal life I suppose Uh, and thought no not for me probably want to be able to eat and feed myself and house myself at some point what does this need to look like so I went to college I've got more A-levels than I've got GCSEs because it took a while to reset myself and I was into the humanities so I did psychology philosophy sociology and English and I read philosophy at uni and actually that's such a good basis for the law because it teaches you to take on board arguments critique them argue with other people uh, objectively uh, and the analytical thinking which is important in the law but at the end of my philosophy degree I remember speaking to my dad and saying, "Uh, what do you do with a philosophy degree then? (laughs) Um, So I could have stayed on in academia. I do sometimes wish that I had, so I could be floating around fragrant corridors. But the law seemed to be an option that fit everything, my personality and what I had studied. So um, I trained at a large provincial Um, in Canterbury and um, it all started from there really. Yeah you've had quite a different path into law then and and, uh, compared to the traditional foundations and um, yeah it's interesting that you yeah finished school at 15 and then you did lots of different A-levels would you say you were kind of finding your feet in that period and you didn't really know what you were interested in as such or I'm not sure I can identify any one conscious thought that must have been going through my adolescent (laughs) mind at that point. Um, There was no rhyme or reason to any of it. 
I suppose I liked knowledge and understanding things and why and what made human beings tick. So uh, my psychology lecturer at A-level was fascinating. She was one of R.D. Lang's last flings and he was into experimental psychiatry in the 70s, I think. Um, So she was just able to open our eyes to so much abnormal psychology and motivations, behaviours. Didn't give me an insight into myself, but it was really thinking back now, an amazing um, period of study. What then happened was I did the CPE because it was a conversion course for a non-law degree. And it's like a law degree with all the interesting bits stripped right out. And after a philosophy degree, it was just revolting. It was learn it, don't ask why, there's no time, bosh. And then the LPC. And I've been discussing the LPC um, this week, actually, because I've got a few aspiring lawyers at the firm who are taking alternative routes to qualification, qualifying experience. And I thought the LPC is a little bit like learning how to drive a car in a classroom isn't it? Mm. And then you finally get into the car after you've done all the theory and that's it. You're off. Um, So learning how to interview clients with each other and that stuff. I think Silex and qualifying experience is going to um, change the game and produce much better lawyers in my view. Yeah, yeah, interesting. It's it's definitely all opening up that way as well, isn't it? And becoming more um, accepted. And you're quite right. And I bet that was an absolute contrast going from philosophy to the CPE. Yeah. Oh, it's vile. And then, so going into, yeah, life as a lawyer. So what did the early years look like for you? Misery, probably. Um, I remember I had a male trainee with me at the same time. I started to notice some differences. So, for example, he was offered a permanent contract. I was given 12 months. He left and I spent a few months clearing up after him. And I started to notice things like this. I remember as a trainee in my residential seat, being stood in my head of department's office, he looked me up and down and he said, you will never make any kind of solicitor. You know, and I think how mollycoddled, you know, this generation is. I'm not saying that's correct, not by a long shot, but uh, it certainly, it either thickens up your skin or you leave. So I'm not saying that's correct, but, you know, there's a balance to be had. And lots of that really, and not at me, solely me personally, but that's just the way that trainees were treated. Mm. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I know when we've chatted before as well, yeah, you've spoken a lot about those kind of things that happened. And um, I think in some ways, like, we've kind of helped pave the way for future generations to kind of soak up some of that and help change the ways and um, Mm. just to, like, smooth the path, I guess. And because you see less of that, although it definitely still exists. It does, but there's a balance to be had. And like I say to my team, compared to how I was treated, um, I'm one of the kindest, most supportive, patient, tolerant bosses that you will ever find, let alone in the legal industry. Don't let it fool you. Mm. Don't be complacent. But if you have difficulty being managed by me, you might be in the wrong industry Mm. because... um, there is none of this patience in most other firms and your clients won't give a 
shit. Mm. You know, how you're feeling on the day. They're paying good money for a service. They're not there to make you feel good about your life choices. You are a service provider. You provide it. You do it with a smile and you be professional. If they criticize you, if they question your competence, if they don't want to pay you, suck it up. Deal with it. It is what it is. If you can't handle that, it's the wrong gig. But we don't have to be cruel with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love the way you deliver that, like with love, but with love and passion, but like straight to the point as well, saying it how it is. Yeah. So what was your like turning point? When when were you like, right, that is enough. I I need to or want to do it my way. Well, <laughs> I got a rather hefty kick. So I left private practice in the summer of oh, I don't know, over seven years ago. And I went in-house and the owner of those companies was offshore and uh, treated his businesses in this country as hobbies, really. And he was liquidating one company, moving all the employees to the new company. So while I was in the corner going, Choo-pee! um, he was just doing whatever he wanted to do. So I fell pregnant just before Christmas and I had high premises, so I was very, very sick. And while I was waiting for the medication to kick in, um, all of this was going on. I had a week off. He wanted a certificate, a certificate for pregnancy-related um, complications, I think. And um, lo and behold, no more job. So my my HMRC tax code for the new employer turned up, but my contract didn't. And I was the sole breadwinner in my family. Uh, So two kids and a house husband, very sick, and um, it looked bleak. And after, I don't know how many years um, of private practice and experiences I didn't relish, I thought, that's it. I don't want to work for the man anymore. Um, so I worked for him, the guy who did this to me for a month um, as a freelancer. I used that month to study myself, speak to everybody I knew, network. And at the end of that month, I sacked him as a client. Best, best, best meeting ever. Um, I got him to swear at me and everything. And uh, I smiled from here to here. It was just wonderful. Um <laughs> And then I had the baby in August. I had started Rebecca just before that. And um, she is going to qualify, I hope, as a solicitor, having gone from being my PA to a a convincing executive. And then, yes, so we're all on our own journeys here at Tiger. Um, Everyone's improving and learning and developing. The admin girls are all on Silex courses and um, I'm training up my practice manager so everyone's got an opportunity to fulfill their potential, which is part of the whole thing, I think. Yeah, I love that. Amazing. So is that that point when um, you sacked that, well, effectively a client that you created Tiger Law? So I um, started in-house legals. So I was so ugh, disenchanted with the industry that I didn't want to go near another law firm. So I started a legal consultancy um, doing non-contentious commercial stuff, um, contracts, basically. And uh, 
it quickly became evident that my best relationships would be with accountants and IFAs who were already working with the kind of clients I wanted to work with. So my background is commercial litigation. Um, so when I draft a contract, the litigator sitting on my shoulder and it's quite a different approach to drafting, really. It's how I train everybody. Accountants would send me their clients. We replaced Crips quite quickly for one firm as accountants and um, it grew and grew. Uh, within two years, there were four or five of us, um, but the clients were of a size that they wanted reserved activities. So I thought, well, why the hell not? Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, and the SRA saw fit to um, authorise Tagalog, and uh, we'll be five years old in March. Oh, wow, amazing. Wow, what a journey. And um, why did you call it Tagalog? I love the name. Mm. Well, I really didn't want to be Chalice Law, Chalice and Partners, Chalice this, that, nah. And... For one project that we didn't use it for, we found this picture of a mother tiger and her cub. It's at the top of our website for now. And she's turning around and looking down at her cub. And you can see the tenderness in her face. It's just pure love towards this cub. However, you know what she would do um, if you tried to interfere with that cub. And I really like that as a mother, as a practitioner. I've said this before. These aren't separate roles in my life as far as I'm concerned. I'm all of those things all the time. Mm -hmm. That's just me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm one human being who's got facets, as we all do. So that just spoke to me. And uh, I said to the team, as we were at the time, what do you think? Is it silly? Tiger Law, are people going to like it? I was so self-conscious, but I haven't. My team has done other things with it. So, for example, um, the aspiring lawyers who write content for us, we're just about to add three more, they're called Tiger Cubs. The team call themselves Tigers. When we want to make uh, something, a piece of writing or a form or something into our style, we tigerize it. (laughs) Um, You know, they love it. And... I get lots of compliments on it. And I think it probably filters out the kind of clients who wouldn't want to work with lawyers like me, which is cool. Fine. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> love that. I love that you're just owning it. And yeah, from what I know of you, it really does embody who you are, like that protective woman, but also very fierce and feisty when you need to be. Yeah. Amazing. And if, if we say your business is the cup, What are you most protective of when it comes to your business? Well, I hold myself to very high standards and I encourage that within the team. And if my colleagues are team members and they're fully committed to this vision, how we should be working with clients, um, my priority is protecting them and their happiness. Um, It doesn't always work. I've had a few bumpy months with HR and I've learned a lot of stuff as a business owner, but I will not tolerate rudeness to my staff and I will always step in and back my staff up. And uh, I've created an environment, I hope, um, I think it's true, where people feel able to come to me with mistakes. There's no judgment. It's dealt with. It's learned from um, and we present a united front to clients 
if there's anything to fix. Um, but happy lawyers who feel looked after and valued will deal with their clients in a much better way than a lawyer who's stressed about six-minute units and um, being performance judged. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I love that you're creating like this transparent about mistakes, if there are any, because I think that is a major thing with junior lawyers. They feel like this need to be perfect. And if there's anything slightly off, they need to cover it up themselves. And yeah, I think that's really important. Well, we read about that in the Gazette all the time, don't we? Uh, trainees and juniors losing their careers because they've been so scared and stressed that they've tried to hide things. And of course, it comes to light and they're, um, they're scapegoated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it rolls downhill in most law firms, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Definitely. The seniors will take credit for good ideas, but they'll let you deal with the fallout of mistakes. True. And real leadership is, yeah, like being there, standing together with it. And yeah, you're definitely doing something right. Like I follow a couple of tiger cubs on Instagram and everyone has their own personality and it's very clear you support them and nurture them to be, you know, themselves really at work. They're, again, not just a lawyer who fits into a box. They're a human being with different facets. And yeah, I love how that is quite apparent that you do nurture that at Tiger Law. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's... um... One of the HR things that I've dealt with recently, because I'm learning that there are limits to to the freedom that um, you should and could give people. Mm. So I know I worked with someone who was stopped from qualifying for two years by the SRA for using quite a benign word online. Mm. Yeah, he was a trainee for four years. And... um, We've, we do need to be mindful that we are regulated and there is a particular standard of conduct that our clients could and should expect of us. So there is some stuff that you don't say publicly. Um, so it's trying to foster um, freedom of expression within the confines of the industry that you've selected to be in. So, yes, we can change it. We can change it from the inside. We can present ourselves as human, but you also need to be responsible. I think this is actually um, something across our society. The unpairing of rights from responsibilities. Mm. And it seems that there's uh, quite a number of people who want all the rights but can't handle the responsibilities that need to come with. So um, I studied existentialism at uni, particularly, I'm really interested in it. And that's all about accountability and um, all the way through to fulfilling your potential and being responsible. It's your duty to do so. Um, But being accountable for your actions and your decisions and living with the consequences of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's quite a tall order, it seems, these days. So, yeah, everybody, we've got the right to express ourselves. But if you've chosen to be in a profession where your integrity and your judgment is paid for, show good judgment. Well, you won't get paid for it. Mm-hmm. there you are don't get paid for shit judgment do you yeah true <laughs> and <laughs> we're navigating new waters as well with like social media and where like um online profiles and building your own profiles like encourage but then yeah you're right like how how far do you go and what parts of your lives do you share and your thoughts and your opinions um yeah it's a tough one 
It is tough. And you see um, lots and lots of disclaimers in bios, not the views of, and then mm. the employer's name. And then still being uber, uber careful and very, very bland. Mm. So I think that there is room to show your humanity, your humour and the rest of it. But we mustn't forget that our clients come to us for one thing, our judgment. Mm-hmm. That's what they need. They, they need our judgment. They need to trust that we understand and want the best for them. That's what we're here for. So if you're going to act the fool online, it's going to damage your career. Mm. I think, yeah, that's a very relevant and potent message for right now. Yeah, really interesting takeaway there. Hey, it's Lauren here. I hope you're loving this episode. Just a quickie to share that the supporter of this episode is Frank and Iris Blue Light Protective Glasses. I continually undertake a 360 health audit. And when I did this about a year ago, I realized an area I was not paying attention to was light hygiene and the health of my eyes, particularly in relation to the amount of tech use and the blue light which emanates from our tech. So one step I took to help that was buying a pair of blue light protective glasses. I chose to buy them from Frank and Iris because they are values aligned. One thing that stood out to me is the fact that for every pair sold, they buy a pair of reading glasses for someone in a developing country who otherwise wouldn't be able to afford them. So by protecting my eyesight, I'm also helping someone else with theirs, which I absolutely love. If you buy a pair of glasses from Frank and Iris, you can get 15% off with the code legally different 15. That's legally different 15 at the checkout. They deliver worldwide, and I believe delivery within the UK is completely free. So um, the link will be in the show notes, and that's Frank and Iris, F R A N C and Iris, I R I S dot com. And yeah, head over, choose your favorite pair of glasses. They're very stylish as well as protecting your eyes and giving back to someone in a developing country. Now let's get back into the episode. What is something that you're working on at the moment that you feel really, I don't know, alive about, on purpose about, so grateful you set up Tiger Law in relation to it? Anything that that comes to mind in particular? Well, something I've been passionate about for a number of years is actually improving how we deliver legal services to clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I set up Tiger Bites and I've got two partners in that now and we're taking that to market. So we've just developed um, some nice little modules, the prop tech. So it, uh, one of them cuts out about a month, five weeks worth of crap at the beginning of selling your property, for example. And we have to stop behaving as if the monopoly that we have over legal services is going to last forever. We already have ABSs um, and the dinosaurs are still teetering on their pedestals, expecting clients to be grateful for paying through the nose. We need to do better. We're service providers. That's all we are. So let's provide services in the way that clients want and need and clients are embracing technology and the last two years has really moved that on and we need to match the pace because if clients are able to fill out stuff on their mobile phones and you're sending them uneditable pdfs 
they can see the difference. So we've, we've got to move with it. So Tiger Bites, I'm really excited about and proud of. And we're signing up our first law firm clients this week. Wow, amazing. Well, so exciting. And we've just developed another tool for commercial property. We think there is some uh, a big mover developing something in this area, which means there's a market. There's actually nothing of this type out there yet now so we're hitting it while we've got very little competition um but it it will these things will really simplify the lawyer's life and it's ai ai what ai um but tech is not to replace lawyers it's to free them up from the admin so that the lawyers can do the thing that they're really there to do which is to service the client hold their hands be there support them too many lawyers view their clients as um, inconvenient. I'll never forget on LinkedIn a bunch of family lawyers laughing about a woman in court who had to um, witness her husband's infidelity on video as part of the proceedings. There wasn't a shred of freaking humanity on that whole post. And they were there for all the world to see laughing at clients wow wow I mean it's unethical it's revolting Mm. and I hope that their clients see it I mean from the from the details given the guy who posted it that woman would easily have been able to identify herself so let's put defamation to one side is that who we want to be as a profession no exactly awful But you're right as well in terms of going back to the technology piece and relating to that point. It's like, I think there's a lot of preciousness around work and keeping on your business and the flow of work. And and yeah, you see it more in like the traditional firms, older generations who are just clinging on for dear life when really it's time time to evolve and go with it. And at the end of the day, like you say, we are service providers. We're there to provide the best service possible. And at the same time, if we embrace all these new technologies and whatever else, we alleviate some of our own work. We don't just have to be paper pushers and we can do like real, more important, impactful stuff. Yeah, the actual advising. Yeah, you know, exactly. let's, let's not beat about the bush, really. We've all got practical law or Lexis Nexus. The templates are all there. We've got our own banks of templates. We are not reinventing the wheel every time. Yeah. Why do we pretend that we are? Why do we make such a meal out of our work? Do the advice. The documents are the least interesting part of anything that we do. Yeah, precious is the word. Mm. come off it let's do this better (laughs) yeah love that and it's cool that you're developing things in property as well because I think that's one of those classic ones where things are so slow to move yeah um, and probably need some sort some sort of upheaval whatever that looks like exciting yeah Mm. it is really exciting and um the idea really is that it's the first month five weeks of work and even then you're not at exchange and during all of that period the conveyance is too stressed and overloaded to hold the client's hand um, at all effectively and the client's stressed until exchange of contracts that's the first point in any transaction that the client actually feels secure in the sale or purchase 
Um, so why why does it need to take that long? Clients don't understand that it's all about the solicitor's admin. It's admin. It's form filling, mm-hmm. fixtures and fitting, property information, leasehold inquiries, all of these things. So we've developed something that will take the seller as long as it takes to have a cup of coffee and fill out a bit on the mobile phone. It's all done. That month is gone. Wow. Amazing. Well, I look forward to seeing more updates about that. Amazing. And um, it's okay if you don't want to go into this or you can't, but I remember you being quite passionate and you've shared about it, about something you're working with for HMRC. Um, I don't know if you're able to share a bit more about that, but I know it was a case that you're really passionate about when we first started. Yes. Well, um, if you would like to uh, look up and follow ex-players like Brian Dean, Alex Sobel, MP, at the forefront of uh, an APPG, which is being launched, looking at HMRC's treatment of the victims of fraud, um, not tax dodgers, victims of fraud, that's it. So um, I'm helping on a pro bono basis, as is the QC, uh, who's involved with the case and a number of other um, professionals, uh, to try to help these guys who are ex-England players on the whole or, you know, national, nationally known, I would say, if not internationally known, um, although most of them will be internationally known, uh, helping them deal with this horrific treatment for the last five years from HMRC, a body which behaves as if it's above the law, doesn't seem to understand the law, or understand such narrow aspects of its of the legislation that pertains to it, nothing else, and it's so blinkered. Um, we're in touch with uh, the loan charge victims, and we know that there have been a number of suicides there, mainly driven by the re-victimisation of people who have already lost a great deal of money, and in some cases, HMRC directed that money away, and is now chasing it not from the fraudsters, from the people who lost the money, to put it very simply, with such aggression, um, effectively doorstepping people on Christmas Eve, maximising the trauma. Um, The stuff that I've heard about and read is, um, it's made me cry. It's awful. It's so inhumane. Mm. Um, so there's a documentary that's being filmed I'm appearing in that as a little support um, and I'm doing what I can I've brought in another barrister I've worked with before in the High Court and he has particular um, expertise around um, the establishment um, freedom of information he's published on it and um, I just love working with him so that's another great addition to the group Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, if you look up the APPG that Alex O'Bell is on, in addition to um, the loan charge APPG that's just launched, um, you'll see some press coverage around that, and it's it's that issue. Oh yeah, interesting. I'll definitely look that up. And yeah, a really a tough one to be involved with, no doubt. As you say, like quite emotional, but in some ways amazing that you can get involved with that and make some kind of difference. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when I uh, first heard about it, it didn't really feel like a choice. 
and it you you just hear about the treatments of these people and if you've got any kind of training that you can offer any support that you can offer why why would you not and it just didn't feel like a choice and um we're actually about to start another um piece of pro bono support to a campaign which i think is gaining traction in the media to stop um, laboratory testing on dogs in this country. Again, again, who knew the scale of it, the money in it? It's just so underhand. And as a nation of purported dog lovers, the fact that this is going on, the breeding of them and the, the suffering that they're subjected to in this country and we look abroad and go, oh, aren't they awful because of this, that and the other. Let's look at home first. Mm, wow, interesting. Is that in the early stages then? Okay. Yes, so we're about to have our first meeting and the um, people who are running the campaign are obviously very passionate and committed. So they just need a bit of backup around research. There are um, two or three areas of law which conflict or there are gaps and um, this stuff is happening in those gaps. So, you know, animal welfare, you know, these sorts of things, um, they don't fit together in any kind of coherent way. When the statutes were being prepared, they weren't put side by side, obviously. So it's created this space for this kind of, large-scale testing. Um, Chris Packham also, I follow him. I've adored him since I was, I don't know, 12. (laughs) Um, He speaks very openly about it, and it's uh, good to follow him because he does talk not only about animal welfare but also the law Mm. around it and how it's being um, subverted. And I've always thought from young, I mean, when I was four or five, I wrote a book about fox hunting and I've been very anti my whole life, that the people who enforce the law are the establishment mm-hmm. who goes hunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And aren't we all seeing that come home to roost right now? Hmm? Cheese and wine, anyone? So true. Yeah, good point. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, definitely. Just reflecting on what you're sharing there, I think it's so important as lawyers to give back like these pro bono opportunities. We've got amazing skills that can make such a difference, you know, where we feel passionate about something. How can we give back? And I think there's this view of lawyers that we're just like money grabbers and whatever, but it isn't the case for most people. And it's like, how can we use our skills to to help the world and society in some way? Yeah. And I think... Um Rather than the establishment just churning out more pale, male and stale in its own image, mm-hmm. um, it's time to free lawyers up to be humans, to care about causes, to do that work. And I think there's a conflict. There's a conflict between clients and lawyer when it comes to time recording and chargeable targets, <laughs> which we don't have at Tiger. And... Then also allowing that lawyer to utilise his or her skills for work like that. So um, corporate social responsibility, we're part of a a company, well, a kick actually, um, and the membership pairs up charities with businesses. 
it's coming. The change is coming. People are, I mean, I know a couple who um, I support them and I want to do more, moved from England to Moldova to work with children who have just been left on the streets by parents who've gone elsewhere to earn money. They're not sending it back. They're not coming back. They've just left them. So lawyers need to be able to find these people, to connect with these people, to offer their services about stuff they feel passionate about. And if you're being micromanaged unit-wise, you're not going to be focusing on that. It's a change in mentality, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And you clearly a busy woman you're involved in all these different legal things a busy family life you're very protective when it comes to um your staff your employees your team how do you manage everything um how do you manage <laughs> your busy schedule do you have any particular tools that work for you or delegate as much as possible mm-hmm. that's something else that lawyers don't tend to be very good at they like to keep 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 um, and the neurosis that goes along with not trusting yourself, um, magnified and not trusting anyone else to do the job properly. But trust them. Give it away. You're not the best at everything. Give away the stuff that you're not the best at. Stop stressing out. I'm not a marketer. I'm not a designer. I'm not this. I'm not an administrator. I'm not a secretary. I do all of those things quite badly. Give them away. Give them away. And, um, I mean, do I manage it? I don't know. I could lose my glasses if I wore them on my head. Uh, my husband will tell you how many times I lose my keys, my mobiles, my, I mean, I, right. This will give you an indication. This office is a five minute walk away from my house. If I've been out for a meeting, I'll come back into the village and I'll park at the office. I will repeatedly walk past my car and go home not even see it uh so am I managing I don't know uh, I've I've started the gym again this year and I, that's that's my outlet so I like doing things there which is so difficult that I can't actually think about anything else than the effort that I'm going through at the time I'd like to try yoga or meditation but I can't seem to do one thing So the idea of being able to clear my mind, I mean, I would need months of practice at that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And maybe you don't need to in some ways. We've looked at your human design the last time we spoke and you're a manifesting generator. They're actually multitaskers and that's part of their gift. And they tend to find that they spend their lives being told, you never finish anything, stick with one thing. And actually their gift it's kind of multitasking and being interested in all sorts of things. So, hey, it's probably just you and, yeah, something you need to Yeah, I know. I think the joy of, um, so I'm well past the middle of my life with the best will in the world. And the joy of having got here is just going, that's it, that's it, that's me. Mm. This is who I am. Let's not, you know... I look at a minimalist house on TV and I think, hmm, isn't that pretty? But I have given up on the idea that I'm ever going to live in a house like that. And actually, I don't really want to. You know, these little things that we discover about ourselves and just live with it. Accept yourself. You are who you are. Stop trying to be things which appear to be aspirational on Instagram. I mean, bollocks, really. Just accept yourself and, and love yourself for who you are. 
Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, the minimalism thing, that's a bit like me and uh, meditation. I think, doesn't that sound like a good idea? All these cool people are doing it. Look at me. Can you ever imagine me sitting still and shutting up for a few minutes? Not really. <laughs> I love that. Amazing. (laughs) And that actually is a nice segue into the final two questions. And you might have already answered the next question by the answer, but I'll ask you anyway, if you could go back and give an earlier version of Vanessa some advice, um, something she needed to know, hear, feel, understand that you now have the benefit of, what would you tell her? Resist believing other people. Everyone has got their own agendas. You are a bit part in other people's lives and um, you have to be the main character in your life and be resilient. Don't take on board their crap. Amazing. Love that. <laughs> and what makes you legally different? So many oh. things, if you were to pick one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, to answer that without sounding horrifically cheesy, I mean, every lawyer is going to tell you that they care. Every lawyer is going to tell you that um, they've got a particular specialism. I think the way we practice law at Tiger is just an expression of who we are. Thank God, that sounds awful. Um, but it it just is. that There's no party line to tow here. Um, there's not a bunch of fusty old equity partners building boxes for us to stay in we're just practicing how we want to practice and it's authentic it's it's real yeah yeah I guess yeah absolutely I think I just posted on that um if yes I said something um like uh you know if you're your authentic self you will attract what is for you and you will repel what is not for you that just is what it is don't be bland. You can't be liked by everyone. You wouldn't want to be. Exactly. And how exhausting it is when you are trying to please different people. It is just, it takes more energy, literally. It's like so much simpler to be yourself. And as you say, then you attract amazing opportunities and the right people. Yeah. Yeah, you do. That takes confidence. Um, but I'm trying to instill that in everyone. So so that they can attract the clients that they want to work with in the sectors that they're really interested in. Yeah, amazing. Love that. Well, it's been awesome to chat with you. That brings us to the end. And um, yeah, I love Tiger Law and everything that you're at about. And I'll definitely, yeah, keep watching out for those updates that are coming up. Thank um, you. And if anyone wants to kind of follow you, connect with you, work with Tiger Law, what are the best ways to kind of get in touch? So we're all on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, Instagram pages for Tiger Law, Electra HR now, we relaunched. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, I love the branding of that. Yeah, yeah we went right back to core values and Rachel's done such a good job with that. Um, and Tiger Bites, we're just about to rebrand that as well. So um, yeah, any of those, I'm on Twitter as well, Litty underscore girl. Back when I was a litigator, try not to be now, but, you know, it it still comes. Yes, those, normal. Um, But LinkedIn, I think, is the best one because then you can um, really see what someone's about. Do you think? Business-wise. Yeah, Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm torn between LinkedIn and Instagram, but they're two totally different. They really are. Yes. I mean, I'm very new to Instagram, very, very new to it. And I always thought it was much more suitable for people in design or creative industries. And I've done one reel, (laughs) which is just really bad. Um, So I'm trying with it. But the marketing team are very much that way inclined. And um, I've been told off for not being on TikTok. God help everyone if I get on TikTok. Um, <laughs> I think you should you do it. You never know. Watch this space. Yes, do it. <laughs> oh, amazing. It's been so fab to chat to you. Enlightening, educating, fun. Um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I'd love to hear from you and find out what you took away from this episode. The inbox is always open. Hello at legallydifferent.com. And if this helped you in any way, this episode, if you resonated with anything and you think a family member, a friend or a colleague would also resonate with it, do feel free to share it with them. There's nothing better than sharing resonant conversations that someone may learn from. So yeah, thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you on the next one.